Hello and welcome to our second episode of our Protective Services podcast. Uh, we are extremely delighted to welcome um, Sergeant Tony Davenport from the RAF uh, this evening. How are you, Tony? I'm very good, thanks. Very good. good. Uh, you know, you're a, you're a good friend to the college. You know, you've been involved with us for many years now. And uh, I know the RAF does, does well out of us. You know, we've got quite a few students who have, who have joined the RAF and, you know, living the dream, as we say. Happy days. Yeah, good stuff. So before we start, Tony, um, tell us about your RAF career. You know, what, what kind of things have you been up to in the RAF? Yeah, certainly. So um, I joined the RAF in 2002. So kicking on for, I think it's 19 years this November. Oh, wow, that's brilliant. Uh, that I've done. Uh, and genuinely, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, I've got another 12 or 11 years left on my contract now, and that'll take me up to 30 years. Uh, and then I'll be retiring from the RAF, hopefully retiring full stop, but I don't think that's going to be quite possible, But although it is a very good pension. Uh, yeah, so my career kind of moving back from 2002, so obviously basic recruit training uh, at Holt and in Buckinghamshire, and then being an aircraft engineer by trade, I then moved on to RAF Cosford, so that's in the West Midlands. I did about 18 months there doing my kind of phase two uh, technical training. Uh, once I graduated technical training, I then was posted to RAF Odium on Chinook helicopters. Nice. So did about six years on on Chinook helicopters. Amazing, amazing bit of kit. They are beasts, aren't they? I've seen, I've seen them coming at the uh, Blackpool Airport when in the fire service, and they are. There's some bit, big bit of kit of that. Yeah, they, they did quite a lot over the northwest, to be honest with you. I mean, over um, Ramsbottom Way. Uh, I know they do a lot over there, and I know they're over Blackpool quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the, the travel, the, the opportunities that I got on Chinooks were out of this world, really. I mean, on Chinooks, I did my first out of area tour, which was to Afghanistan. Oh. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's loads of opportunities. I mean, some people might class Af- Afghanistan as a, a negative. For me, it was a positive. But if you want to look at that as a negative, some of the positive, more positive places that you can go on Chinook helicopters are all over Europe, America, they do a lot of training in Mexico. So there's loads and loads of really good travel opportunities. So I did about six years on Chinooks and then I went over to Coningsby uh, working on Harriers on Tornadoes. Yeah, like the Harrier Uh, with the old vertical takeoff. Yeah, so vertical takeoff and landing, yeah. So I I only did about eight months on Harrier and then it started doing the wind down uh, because he got retired uh, pretty soon after I joined that squadron. so yeah, I was working on Harriers on Tornadoes on the um, on Forty One Squadron, and that squadron in particular, based at Coningsby, is what they call a test and evaluation squadron. So basically, any uh, new bits of kit that they want strapped into the aeroplane, any new software, any new missiles, yeah. basically it'll come to Forty One Test and Evaluation Squadron first before it's released to service, and we test it. We go out and test it. Now, given that we can't do a lot of what we need to do in UK airspace, uh, 41 squadron personnel tend to spend a lot of their time out in America. All right, okay. Uh, na- namely, Las Vegas. Yeah, there's a there's a base uh, there, isn't there? No, yeah, a- Philip, Philip uh, Edwards Air Force Base. Yeah, so it spent spent months upon months. I mean, I didn't go as many times as, as some of my friends did, but uh some of my friends probably spent six months of the year out in las vegas every single year uh <laughs> which is good the first couple of times around but it, believe it or not there is so many 
There's only, there's only times you can go to a casino, in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but from an experience point of view, unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's, to be able to get to go to America. Um, and while you're in these places, when you're doing this traveling, you're getting paid more money. So you tend to be uh, in really good hotels, like four or five-star hotels. Right. And you'll get probably $50 a day on top of your wage for your food. So all that gets taken care of. Um, so... As you can guess, a lot of people just grab a subway for lunch, subway for tea, and then they've got the rest of the money for yeah. for the beer tokens in the evening. Is, is that, do you think that's just like the organisation recognising, you know, that being away from your family is hard, you know, so they've got to make it, they've got to compensate you, you know, by making it worth your while while you're out there, do you think? Yeah, I suppose there's a bit of that, but there's also, they have, whether you're in the UK or abroad, they have got a responsibility to look after you. So yeah. if, if, if in the UK, I mean, I'll touch on it later because I'd imagine we're going to go on to benefits at some point. Absolutely. Or on an RAF station, if you if you want a full English breakfast, you're probably talking about £1.40. It's pittance. If you want a, a three-course dinner or tea, as I call it, being Northern, <laughs> you, you, you're, probably, you're probably talking about £1.50 for a soup, a full dinner and a dessert with a coffee, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it really is pittance. But anyway, we digress, don't we? So, so yeah, I spent about four years at Coningsby and then I applied for a position, believe it or not, at Wharton in uh, yeah. by Blackpool in St. Way. I got that position and that was doing software engineering on the Eurofighter Typhoon. Um, so, yeah, I spent the next five years doing software engineering uh, really good opportunity for me. I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I did working on the squadrons. That's just because of who I am. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm not IT illiterate, uh, but I'd suggest getting into a software role in the RAF would be for somebody that is really into IT, computer yeah, yeah, yeah. software. Um, all honesty, it was more of a, the location really suited me at that time. So I kind of, applied for that job on that basis okay. it worked out for me i did really well in the job uh the rf got a lot out of me up there so it worked in both of our favors really uh, so yeah i spent the next five years at wharton and then got promoted to sergeant and then that opened some opportunities up for me to get into the area outreach team which yeah, is what yeah. i'm doing now so the yeah. area outreach team is all about recruitment brand awareness of the rf especially in places such as blackpool uh, Preston, Liverpool, because there's not that RAF station, that RAF base. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit more difficult in comparison to say Lincolnshire, where there's four RAF bases. Recruitment and opportunities are a lot more visible to people growing up in those areas. Yeah, they can see fast jets in the sky every day. Yeah, and they can get that dream. Whereas people over in Liverpool, Blackpool, Preston, wherever, might not have have that brand awareness of what the RAF are about. So really, that's my job now. I yeah. get about. As you know, come into schools, do a bit of training, do a bit of um, personal development training, careers presentations, etc. And probably genuinely, it sounds daft considering that I've worked on Chinooks, Eurofighter Typhoons, <laughs> Tornadoes, Harriers. This has been the best job in the world for me. Really? Uh, oh, I absolutely love this job down to the ground. I get to meet new people every day. I get to tell people, honestly, how good of an opportunity the RAF is. Uh, yeah, it's just, it really suits me. 
and I think it kind of suits my personality as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we get you and Mick over, and it's it, it's great, and the feedback from students in terms of the things you do, you know, and it's just team building stuff and getting them to think about things, and it's it's the feedback is always so positive. Um, I know you mentioned before about you know there's more scope for people to be really interested in the RF and like Lincolnshire around that way, but you know we, you know there's still quite a lot of people up, up north having aspirations to join the RAF and, and, and doing something about it as well, isn't there? Oh, quite quite right, yeah, 100%. So kind of what I meant by that was it, it, it's not in the... It, say, again, we'll use Lincolnshire as an example. The RAF is in your face 20, yeah. 24 hours a day, whereas, unfortunately, the people of like Blackpool, Preston, Liverpool, wherever, are kind of relying on kind of my social media, I say yeah. my social media, my work social media, uh, which I'll, I'll drop a... Um, I'll drop the handle a little bit later. <laughs> of course, uh, of course. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not chasing followers. I promise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, these these people have just kind of got to rely on the air shows. People like yourselves that are proactively trying to um, push these opportunities, and people like myself that will come in and kind of explain uh, what opportunities there are. So yeah, that's kind of my quite brief history summed up in ten minutes, really. But to, to kind of summarise. Like within geographically, those places that I've worked in, I've also done a lot of uh, out of area tours, a lot of uh, work abroad. So, I mean, I'll give you a very quick list, but Cyprus, Italy, France, Sweden, Germany, Norway, um, Cy- Cyprus, all across America, like Florida, Las Vegas, wow. uh, Afghanistan. Okay, so, put, you on, put you on the spot then, favourite place? Um, probably the first time I went Las Vegas, <laughs> but I mean, Sweden's really good. Yeah, uh, but it's super expensive. But I suppose genuinely the the most proud pride that I got, and kind of the place that I really enjoyed was Afghanistan. It sounds really strange. Yeah, but I mean when when people who've never kind of looked into what is what was Kandahar Air Base, for mm-hmm. example. When when you say oh, I've been to Afghanistan, everybody just assumes that uh, it was boots on the ground, like you say on Ross, Ross Kemp in Afghanistan, yeah. boots on the ground, maybe getting shot at, maybe shooting. Yeah. So that's kind of not how it is. That that's more the infantry, the yeah, regiment. That's yeah. what they kind of do. Me as an engineer, I'm staying within the confines of this, the camp, looking after my aeroplane. When I want my lunch, I'll go to Pizza Hut or Burger King because these places exist. Yeah, yeah, they, on build camp. they build them, don't they? Oh, they build them. Yeah, I mean, the first Afghanistan was the first time I had, I ever ate lo- lobster in, in, <laughs> in the, the desert. It, it, yeah, in, in the Canadian mess, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the gyms that the gym they built up at Kandahar Air Base was on a it was on a par with what you'd see at like Nuffield JD Sports gyms. Wow. So it, it's such a strange, but adrenaline pumping exciting yeah. experience and the thing is these these are the things you train for don't you you know you want to go to do, these yeah. places because this is why you joined up um so you know yeah you want to test yourself you, you want that medal on your chest 100 yeah. percent. of the day yeah so yeah i mean like touch on yeah, las vegas florida etc all brilliant but once you've done it a couple of times you get to be thinking yeah, oh, yeah we'll do it again yeah, well, like, yeah like, you, you've got the draw of home now when you come back home and, and like come to water and now doing the outreach work as well. So it brings yeah. you closer to home again, doesn't it? Of course it does, of course it does. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't change today. I wouldn't change a thing about my career. 
Uh, it's, it's been really, really enjoyable as best thing I ever did. Considering that I left school at 16, I, the only GCSEs I had luckily were English, Maths and Science, Grade yeah. C. Uh, or it's Grade 4 these days, isn't it? I failed everything else miserably. Uh, I left school uh, and I was still push, pushing trolleys at Asda when I was 18. And I was like, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but no, I, yeah. just thought, I just thought to myself, I, I really need to do something. And I kind of fell into the careers office. I had no intention ever of joining the RAF. I went to Manchester one day. I was just dropping my CVs in places and just walked past the AFCO. Wow. The, when I say the AFCO, for anybody that doesn't yeah. know, it's the, the Armed Forces Careers Office. And yeah, kind of went from there, really. It's it's so, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's 20 years coming up next year. You know, that's a that's hats off to you, mate. No, that's, that's great. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed you can get to that 30. So the next question kind of leads into it. You've obviously seen the RF, it's, it's pinnacle, but, you know, uh, this is probably the first time you've in your career you've been involved in the RF during the world pandemic. You know, <laughs> yeah. COVID's been massive, and it? it's taken over the world. It just yeah. seems normal now. How did it affect the RF then? So, I mean, at the end of the day, public services, protective services, however we want to phrase it, life has to go on, yeah. regardless of a global pandemic, regardless of acts of war, whatever happens, we need to continue our business. Now, me being in a, in recruitment, I've kind of been um, in the shadows of what the RAF has been through uh, during coronavirus. Yeah. But from my kind of knowledge and my recollections is things have changed, as in, uh, for example, an engineering squadron would no doubt have been put into bubbles as opposed to having shift a and shift b you might have now have a shift a b c and d yeah and i would imagine that shift a and b would have done week one yeah shift b shift c and d would have done week two and just flip it around flip it around that way it's it's all about the social distances isn't it with this global pandemic yeah and making sure that we're not all hugging and being all close to each other. So, yeah, kind of breaking up all those people in one confined space is what it's been all about for us. But at the end of the day, work has to go on. It's a very From good a, point, you know, for for public service or protective services. You know, there's still a job to do, isn't there? And, of course uh, there is, and yeah. you just have to adapt to it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, from a recruitment point of view, um, it's not necessarily been a bad thing. And I don't want that to come off across in a selfish way. but there's been a lot of redundancies. People have lost a job, etc. Yeah, they've done the research and thought, "I want to get into a job that's going to provide me with job security." Yeah, and what better to get job security than a protective service, public services, the armed forces, where you're kind of guaranteed to have job security for as long as you want it. So, due to that, uh, we had a huge influx of applications. Uh, within the first, say, three months of the pandemic yeah. to the point where we pretty much had to turn off the recruitment taps temporarily. Um, now, those taps have been slowly turned back on. There is still a few roles that are temporarily turned off, um, but those roles will be opening up quite soon. Yeah. For example, physical training instructor. Yeah. At the moment, you can't apply for that job. Air ground steward, you can't apply for that job. I think weapons technician, you can't apply for. Now, these these are just jobs that at the moment we've got 
we know we've got X amount of people in the recruitment pipeline. So we've just turned that off until we can kind of get rid of that backlog. But things are changing week by week and jobs are opening back up. And hopefully come August, September time, we'll be at a stage where pretty much everything's back open and people can apply for everything again. Now, the only thing, other thing I want to touch on, because I'd imagine there is people that are worried about if I join the RAF, I'm going to go down to basic training, I'm going to be in a room with 15 people, yeah, yeah, no yeah. social distancing, etc. So normal days outside of a global pandemic, uh, approximately there's 120 people that go through each basic recruit training course. Now, that's been reduced to 60. Okay. Uh, that's been reduced to 60 for about 12 months now. And within those 60, I think you broke into bubbles of either six to eight, between six to 10, you split into bubbles and basically you'll spend your whole basic recruit training course within your bubble and only your bubble. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really safe. As soon as you get down there, you'll do your lateral flow test, Yeah. your, your coronavirus lateral flow test. Uh, you'll do your temperature checks basically wherever you wherever you go to kind of keep on top of yeah. all that. Uh, so yeah, there's there's loads and loads of things in place, but to kind of summarise, things have changed, but life goes on for us. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? I mean, th- we've not had people furloughed. I mean, there might be some civil servants been furloughed, yeah, yeah. but RF regulars we've not had. We obviously don't furlough people, uh, so people have either been stood down. So we we have had some people stood down for a month, two months, etc. But that's slowly winding down now, and we're certainly getting to a more kind of normal state of of affairs yeah. over the last few months. It's good. It's good that you know such a such a huge industry and employer can make these little changes to to keep the demand. Because I said demand is there, and you, you made a very good point before. And I said, you know, public services where that job security, and it's a message we tell our students daily you know you, you just you complete the course you, you get into an opportunity and you could be set for life he's you you know 10 years away from from 30 years and retiring you know with a with a history of of that no one will be able to take away from you you know some wonderful memories for you and that, that's that's yeah. fantastic and that and that's it's a real opportunity for our, for our young students it really is yeah i mean i mean the job security i mean there's, there's not many organizations out there uh so the RAF basically as soon as soon as you sign on the dotted line you attest it Halton yeah uh, you any student or any candidate will be given a 12-year contract from that point now that yeah. is not them stuck for 12 years that is us saying to you we are investing in you for 12 years yeah. if what all people need to do is they need to complete their specialist training and then give a return of service kind of it depends on what the role is as to how long that return of service. But for example, engineers, it's two two or three years. Yeah. So if you join as an engineer, essentially you can do your basic recruit training, do your phase two training, do two or three years and then leave if you want to. Yeah. But you've got that comfort blanket knowing that you're getting paid for 12 years, regardless of That's whether we're having another global pandemic or not. That's fantastic. I mean, and you, you know, you, you've been and you've met our students, you've worked with our students. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And if you could say, um, like, three key attributes for anybody who wanted to join the RAF, what, what would you be looking for as an employer that our students would need to kind of 
you know, have in the bag that in their in their locker kind of thing. Yeah, so I mean, on that, I'd say that most employers obsess over qualifications and ignore qualities. Uh, to put that experience above potential, yeah. they have quite a narrow range of job options to offer. But creating the RAF, it's about discovering like your natural talent and working out together what makes you valuable, yeah. uh, proactive, and happy. Really. Uh, now, given that the kind of target audience of this podcast, the target audience um, are your students, are young adults. I would imagine that these people kind of haven't realised what their qualities are, what their strengths are. Uh, the people won't know if they're a leader. They won't know if they've got excellent verbal communication skills. They won't know if they've got they, no resilience is a bit. Yeah. Different. They might know if they've got resilience, etc. But I, for me, I, I will answer your question, but I'd be, I want to edge on the side of caution and say, if I say to you these three key skills, these three three qualities, yeah. and some somebody who's listening thinks, well, I've not got that, so I'm not going to do it. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I, what, these are just kind of some good examples of what might make life a bit easier. Yeah. But what I wouldn't want people to do is think, I've not got any leadership skills, so I can't apply. That's the whole purpose of training, isn't it? Of course gonna, it is, yeah. You're going to bring those skills out of them, aren't you? Exactly, and that's why kind of what we do with the personal development training when we come in and do the leadership, the teamwork, the communication skills yeah. and stuff. But if you had to press me, I'd say leadership skills uh, to be able to manage and motivate teams. Now, again, you might not know if you've got leadership skills, um, but get out there, do some activities, speak to Paul. I'm sure Paul will show you some leadership yeah. activities. Ask us to come in and do some development skills with you. Uh, but leadership skills, but equally as important are follow, followership skills. So it's all well and good having... What we don't want is we don't want an organisation full of leaders because that's just going to cause headbanging and arguments. Yeah. What we want is... What we tend to have is the, the people with the really good leadership skills we tend to push down the commissioned officer route yeah great and the people with the more followership skills down the non-commissioned route and then once they've developed them leadership skills later on in life they can go for the commission like for myself i'm a sergeant therefore i'm a non-commissioned officer yeah so but if i wanted to go from i have developed the leadership skills required and i have no doubt throughout my 19 years in the art if i chose to i could apply to become an officer in the RAF now and I'd be pretty confident about being successful with it because of how I've developed. Yeah. So leadership skills but equally as important followership skills. Yeah. Communication skills is massive. So we don't want somebody who's no I say we don't want somebody. It, just because you can't shout the loudest doesn't mean you haven't got com- good communication skills. Great point. Communication yeah. skills are all about, equally about as listening and talking. Uh, non-verbal, like utilizing utilization of your hands. For example, uh, when I'm taxiing an aeroplane off a runway, I can't speak to that pilot, so I'm using non-verbal communication skills to tell that pilot exactly what I want him to do. Yeah. I turn left, turn right, put his brakes on, go yeah. faster, go slower. A bit of marshalling, I like. Yeah, a bit, a bit of marshalling, yeah. but it's all about communication yeah, skills. I did so some marshalling in my day with my table tennis rackets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so communication skills, but again, don't get hung up to think, well, I'm not good at talking. Yeah. Because you might be really good at listening. You might be good at non-verbal. Yeah. Um, resilience is probably a good one. You'll go through basic recruit training, and I, I won't pull any punches with this. There'll be points in your basic recruit training where you'll think, 
what have I done? Why why am I doing this? There'll be times when you kind of shout it out for no reason. You'll feel down and you will get to that point. Everybody does in basic recruit training when they think, this isn't for me. <laughs> but th- that is not the real RAF. It's All... a test, isn't it? It's just a course test. Of course it's a test. Yeah, of course it is. All that's tested. going on in basic recruit training is they kind of stripping you down, um, not getting rid of the person, not getting rid of your personality, but kind of stripping you back a little bit so we can really inject our core values of respect, integrity, service and excellence yeah. in, into our candidates or into our airmen and airwomen. Um, now, to do that, we might, for example, I always remember, this was 19 years ago, so things might have changed a bit. Uh, the first day I made my bed, I thought it looked stunning. I was dead proud of it. <laughs> and, and and my bed, soon before I knew it, my, bed, my mattress was out, was out of the window. Now, there's probably nothing wrong with my, my bed, but all that non-commissioned officer was telling me was, he's in charge, and if he tells me to... I don't know, put my um, bed sheet at a 45 degree angle on the corner, then that's what he wants. If he's at 50 degrees, then I've not done what he's asked. Yeah. It might sound ridiculous, but when you are working as an engineer on an aeroplane, if you set the wrong angle or you set the wrong uh, percentages or you set the wrong fuel levels or the wrong hydraulics, by that 10 degree difference again, that can be life or death. Again, they're just testing, are you listening? And can, yeah, you, exactly. can you carry those skills forward, you know, into your trade? Because so, it's can all about listen, the, yeah. the finer details, isn't it? So it's, it's a test, but it's a, it's a, it's a strange test. And, you know, some people excel in it and, you know, some people, it's not some people. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, I don't want to put people off by that. The majority of people that go through basic recruit training absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, but, even those people that love it, if you ask them, did you find it hard at any point? Everyone will say yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, and if they say no, they lie here. <laughs> well, you you know we we've got over two thousand students at college, and you know, not just now on our protective service courses, but even on, on any course across college, you have people with aspirations on the area. If anybody's listened to this podcast and thinks, okay, I want to I want to look at this a bit further, what would they have to do next to kind of start the process or get the ball rolling? So first and foremost, speak to you, Paul. I mean, yeah. you're a font of really good knowledge. Uh, <laughs> so at the end of the day, like you're there. They see you every day. So I'd certainly speak to you. Secondly to that, speak to me. It's my job to speak to your students, speak to the people in the Northwest about careers in the RAF. Yeah. It's dead easy to do that. Now I can either speak via phone I can speak over direct message on Instagram, uh, and I'm going to shamefully drop my Instagram handle in now. I say <laughs> I think, mine. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah, it's it's my works uh, Instagram. So it's we've got RAF Careers Northwest and RAF Careers Manchester. Um, send me a direct message on one of them accounts, and we can set up. We can either speak on direct message, and I can give you loads of information. We can set up a phone call uh, if. The students are under 18. I would require a member of staff or a parent to be in earshot during the phone call or during the Microsoft Teams meeting or Zoom meeting, however, whatever platform we do on it, yeah. just for safeguarding for both um, for both kind of sides of the audience, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but literally they're just just listening to make sure that I'm giving good information out really but I will I will be giving good information out uh, second so so first two options speak to yourself speak to me on Instagram if you don't want to do either of them uh, you can phone the careers office directly but nobody uses phones anymore do they <laughs> uh, another option is to get on the RF recruitment website so just Google RF recruitment click the first link um, and there's a live chat in there Okay. Now, that's not run by RAF personnel, but it is run by people that know about the RAF. Yeah. So, they, they will be able to give you some information, but I'd be confident to say probably not as much as what I'd be able to give yeah. you. Um, yeah, they're, they're the kind of the first ports of call, really. So, on Instagram, via direct message, I can give um, fitness programs. I can give advice on approximate timelines. I can tell you what... Um, jobs are open what jobs are closed when i personally expect jobs to be opening things yeah. like that uh you can even apply on instagram i can set you up a, a link so you can apply wow. uh, on instagram so yeah it's, it's dead easy these days kind of the next steps from there at the moment and by the time this podcast gets pushes out gets pushed out things may have changed but if someone was to apply today there's no interview for non-commissioned roles so literally it's an yeah. application the the selection test and then you're getting into medical and pre-joining yeah, fitness yeah, test. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's no interview. So probably the most difficult point in the process is currently removed. Yeah. So if anybody wants to apply, get them to apply. <laughs> Now's the time to apply. Now's the time to apply. No, yeah, but joking aside, even if you get to a point and you, you do need to do an interview, don't panic about it. It's, it's, it's a fairly simple interview. Just be honest. Yeah. The biggest tip I'd give anybody for an RAF interview is don't lie. I mean, as I touched on before, integrity is one of our core values. Yeah, of course. And we are trained interviewers. We're not kind of Joe Bloggs just sitting there listening to you. We know that if somebody says, yeah, I've done Duke of Edinburgh, we will start to probe. Okay, yeah. so, what, <laughs> yes. so, so what award did you get? What did you do in your community work? What did you do on your expedition? Where did you go? And soon you can really start finding yourself going down a bit of a rabbit warren <laughs> and just blurting out, I'm lying. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to catch somebody like that. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't. But it's, it's really easy to get yourself in a, in a real mix-up. And to be honest with you, once you get to that point in the interview, I've seen it quite a few times when somebody's obviously not quite told the truth and the interview has just gone to pot really then. They, they, they can't get the words out. They don't know what they're saying. So, yeah, just be... Brutally yeah. honest, at the end of the day, we know that these people have been in education the whole lives. So yeah, we we don't expect them to have had masses of life experience, and it, just just be yourself. If you've done Duke of Edinburgh, shout it from the rooftops because that's that's a big tick in the box in the area. It's not a requirement, but it'll be a big tick in the box. Yeah. But yeah, don't be shy about stuff. I mean, if you've been a, a form leader or been on the school council, yeah, yeah. or you've had positions of responsibilities, don't make us drag it out of you. If you've been a football captain, netball captain. Celebrate, it, you know, it's, it's, Yeah, it's, celebrate. It's, yeah, I mean... It's massive. I, I had to, an interview about six months ago. Uh, it got to a point where we were closing down the interview. Like, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Have you done Duke of Edinburgh or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I've, I've done my Duke of Edinburgh gold. I'm like, that is absolutely huge. Why yeah. are you only telling me now? If I've not asked that question at the end, 
Yeah, you'd never know. That, per- that person may have failed the interview. Yeah. But he, but he absolutely smashed it because then we went on to the, what he did in Duke of Edinburgh and all the boxes that I couldn't quite tick before got massive tick ticks in them. Yeah. So yeah, just my advice for if you do have to be interviewed is just be perfectly honest. Don't right, panic right. about it. Speak to me on Instagram. Ask yeah. me for some tips. I won't tell you what the interview is, but I can certainly point <laughs> in the right direction. Yeah. Well, Tony, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight. You know, the sooner we can get you guys back into college, doing your sessions, the better. Hopefully, you know, hopefully next academic year we'll be able to do that. Um, and we, you know, we're very grateful for you taking the time out and you know, giving some really good information to our students. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things for students to mull over there, and there's a really good process now. If they want to kind of carry on forward, they know exactly what they need to do now. So it's really appreciated, mate. Thank you. Cool. Is this going to be trending on um, worldwide? Trending <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. Worldwide. So again, shameless shameless plug. RF Grays Manchester, RF Grays Northwest. Please feel free to get in touch if anybody's got any questions at all. And one for you, Paul. Go on. Chuck us an email, and we'll get something booked in for Blackpool. But thank you very much for your time. Tonight. Yeah. Appreciate it, mate. Speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. No worries. Take care, Paul. Bye. Bye. Bye.